We're joined by the true queen boss bitch herself, Ooh, television host, like and author of New York Times bestsellers, Boss Bitch and Rich Bitch, Nicole Lappin. Nicole, welcome. Yes, oh my God, Nicole. you ladies. <laughs> I love you so much already. We love you I feel you too. like we are soul sisters. Yeah. But I know the, that you might hear that a lot. No, it took us about 45 minutes to actually start this because we couldn't <laughs> stop chatting. Yeah. So here we are. You guys should have, maybe you shouldn't have heard what we were talking about, <laughs> it but was, it's okay. It was good. But a little backstory on Nicole. Her and I did a segment together for Marie Claire's The Fix show and we immediately clicked. I walked away and was like, this woman is something to be reckoned with. No, seriously. But with your incredible resume and everything about you, you were just so down to earth and hilarious. And you have so many listeners, and we do too, that have been wanting and asking us to talk about the hard stuff, money, budgets, owning your voice when it comes to these topics, whether it's in their career or personal relationships. And we also struggle with this. Mm-hmm. So we just could not be happier Yay. to have you on today. Yay! Gosh. Welcome! Yay! You guys! <laughs> and you have bubbly rosé? Yes. I mean, I'm here every day. Yeah. If you're a guest, you, live here you will, you can drink with us if you want. <laughs> so, okay, you are a badass who's like clearly found your voice which is incredibly inspiring to me. That's my mission. I'm trying to surround myself with people like you all the time. Mm -hmm. So let's start at the beginning, your backstory. What did you do prior to getting your book deal? Oh my gosh. Let's start in the womb, shall we? Start there. So I actually grew up in an immigrant family. So I'm first generation American. Um, I had a super broken home. So my father was a drug addict, alcoholic, died of an overdose. Um, My mother was cuckoo bananas and like sort of pieced out in and out of jail. And I just was dealt kind of a shitty hand and I played it the best I could and I started working really early on and I wanted a job in news I wanted to be like Christiane Amanpour and be on CNN and like a badass reporter and I had like an April O'Neil doll um from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I I get all this speak I do (laughs) I do Mm -hmm. and so I Worked my way up the hard way, trying to go from little local news markets to the next. I started in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Lexington, Kentucky, all these places. And then I thought I was ready for big market Milwaukee. And I know, right? And I went to this broadcasting station in Chicago and I stalked the station chief. And I was like, I need to work in Milwaukee. I was like 18 at the time. I started early and he was like, First of all, you think you're going to commute from Chicago. I went to Northwestern and go to go Milwaukee. There. I was like, yeah, it's close, right? He's like, it's not close. And <laughs> you clearly don't know anything <laughs> about geography. And no, you don't get the job. And I was so sad. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't get this job. And he and I didn't realize that he actually was asking me if I wanted another job in business news. And he was like, do you know about business news? And I was like absolutely i love business <laughs> business news, news and me favorite together done <laughs> it's my thing yeah it completes me no i was so clueless i knew nothing about business news i grew up like using cash with like immigrant crazy parents and like i didn't read the wall street journal growing up and like 
My boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager, and I thought that dude wanted to be in gardening. Like, <laughs> I was so clueless, y'all. So, so clueless. Manager. I'm loving this. I, I mean, he, the dude seriously jumped to me because I couldn't hang out with his Wall Street friends. Wow. He was like, you're not smart enough yeah, to what's do he that. Saying now? Wow. Oh, they all want to hang and out. You're, yeah. Exactly. They always saying, come back around. They want to hang out with me now. Back. <laughs> and so, yeah, fast forward. I learned the language of many the hard way. Wait, they, so did you get that job? So yeah, so I I lied, totally. Completely. As, yeah. completely. Everyone Sometimes should. you have it until I made it. Yep, and then I got real, and so I faked it until I got in the door, and then I studied my ass off, and then I realized that this crazy jargon mumbo jumbo language that looks like Chinese, and like I would break out into hives looking at the Wall Street Journal and be like, oh my god, I don't understand the things, <laughs> started to morph into something I could understand, and I realized like if you don't speak Chinese and you go to China, you will be confused. If you don't speak the language of money or Wall Street and you go there, you will be confused. Yes. <laughs> Captain yeah. Obvious. Right. Thank you. Captain and obvious. we don't have a Rosetta Stone for this growing up, and we learn both shit things in school how to dissect a frog yeah. how to do the pythagorean theorem i don't mm. know why we need to know that me either agreed but we don't know how to we figure math. out money stuff and so i learned it in the school of hard knocks i didn't go get my mba i didn't work at a bank i ended up later getting all my financial certifications so i'm legit to explain yeah. that you were also valedictorian of northwest yeah can we i was gonna bring that up that's in the back <laughs> Thanks, of your book guys. cover i was like do you see the last line Kevin? Aww. she's the valedictorian okay <laughs> so, so obviously like getting yourself in that yeah. door inspired you to just dive in deep and totally. do the work mm -hmm. even as valedictorian i was valedictorian not to like sound obnoxious but i say this only because I was valedictorian in my high school and college. And so I like, Fuck because, yeah. but you know now where I came from, like sure. I hid with work and like I wanted to be the best at something and mm -hmm. not go home. And so that was a real motivation for me. But even as that, and I say that because I leaving school didn't know anything about how to do a budget or sure. taxes or how to negotiate or any of this stuff. We learn like macroeconomics and all this fancy stuff that's not practical. Does it not help us? Yeah. So then you went from there and you eventually got a book deal. Yeah. So then I went from business news. I was anchoring at CNN. The financial crisis hit. I came to New York. I anchored on CNBC and Bloomberg. And I was talking to a lot of old, rich, white dudes about money. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to blow my brains out. <laughs> it was just. No, no, it was awesome. Amazing. And like, I'm really lucky to have gotten those jobs. I was 27. At that point, I had already been on network news for like 10 years. And so I thought, what about that girl who was smiling and nodding and not joining money conversations? That 18-year-old girl, I'm not talking to her. She actually needs my help the most. So brilliant. These old, rich, white dudes, like they don't need me to tell them if the Dow is up or down or whatever. And so I burned my corporate bra. I left actually mid-contract, which I don't recommend to anybody. I do not know how you made that transition. Yeah, wow. I was like peace <laughs> you just had a moment and you were like this is it yeah yeah I was really because it, it was the end of the recession and there was this generation of lost what I thought was like this lost generation of women in particular who were educated but not getting jobs and there was so much confusion out there and I always tried to act older being at these jobs with more gravitas and I had shoulder pads and you know I put maxi pants under my armpits because I was like so Sweaty. scared yeah. right this whole imposter syndrome like I thought my badge wasn't gonna work going into the building oh every single day I was like they're gonna find me out they're gonna realize that I don't belong here and that I don't know what I'm talking about even though I did and I think 
women in particular go through imposter syndrome a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we don't deserve something or we don't belong somewhere. And so I went through that until I realized, yeah, I actually do know what I'm talking about. And I have long hair. They told me to cut my hair all the time. I was like, what does that have to do with my job? Oh, and I God. say. And my knowledge. Yeah. My knowledge. My, my deep, sweet knowledge. Yeah. And my golden locks that. have nothing to do, do with, with that. <laughs> totally. And so I was just like, this is not serving me. And I know that I want to use my voice in a way that I can reach a generation who needs me more than this. And I felt like there was a void. I, I truly looked at the landscape of financial experts. And there were a few mm-hmm. that you could probably name mm-hmm. and you knew who they were, but they were telling us not to buy a latte. Like, don't buy your morning latte, make your coffee at home, you're going to be rich. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. This is terrible financial yeah. advice. Go buy a house, don't buy a latte, invest in a 401k. I'm like, hold up, wait a minute, don't go there because I'm like not going to start rapping here. Yeah. I was going to finish it. Yeah. Bevan was Just ready to go with you. Yeah. Love like, me, girl. <laughs> and so I, I was like, there has to be a better way. Buy a latte, rent a place. Maybe you don't have a 401k because you're freelancing and there is this new normal where, you know, you're talking to people like they're in a cubicle and they have a boss and, and that's just not reality right now. Yeah, so you I was don't like, know where your next paycheck is coming in. Totally. I'm like, there has to be a better way and I am going to try to figure that out or I will die trying. And so that's when rich bitch happened. So my question is, was there a moment when you, was there an epiphany moment? Like, did something happen? Or did you just, was it over time that you were like noticing this void? Yeah. So when I was, (laughs) when I started on the floor of the exchange, my boss at the time was like an awesome dude who really helped me out. And there was one day I was doing a story about Gillette, which was its own company at the time. It's now bought by Mm P&G. But in the Wall Street world, new products move stock. So they were coming out with a new razor. And so I thought that I was going to use my sweet valedictorian Northwestern skills to talk about this razor with active verbs not just saying like the razor is going to cut the hair off closer to the skin I said the razor is going to whack off the hairs closer to the skin like never before (laughs) my boss called me to his office and he's like Lappin watch this tape I'm like damn look at those active verb choices of whack he's like you just said whack off to an audience of men this is amazing. And, and I like, was like, oh my God, I didn't. Well, well first of all, you, you're welcome. You want viewers. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Your rating just, just shook up. up everything here. <laughs> totally. And he was like, no, you, you weren't paying attention. I was like, you're right. You're the boss. And he's like, no, you're the boss of you every single day. I am not there with you at the exchange. I am not holding your hand. You are the boss of you. And I left that room and I was 18 at the time. And I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, I am the boss of me. And fast forward a decade later, I was at CNBC and I had a different boss call me into his office and he showed me a similar tape of like entrepreneurial series that I wanted to do. And he said, you just need to sit there and read the teleprompter and not do these extra series. I'm the boss. And at that moment, I it was 10 years and I said, no, I'm the boss. And I left that building and I was inspired as hell. I was no longer scared. And then you took all of that. And then I made boss bitch. Now you're (laughs) the boss bitch. That's so interesting though. I think so many of us have a moment where we realize finally we are actually the boss of our own life. Yeah. That 
nothing is really happening to us. We get to we get to control it. We get to make choices yeah. and that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote both of my books as choose your own adventure because that's what life is and I love those books. Me yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> and a 12-step plan because the first step is admitting you have a problem. Yes. Thank you. I have many. How did you go from the moment you walk out the door mm-hmm. to yeah. Now you have a book deal. So I didn't know what I was doing. So I tell people to not do the same thing I did when I was leaving my job. I would have started, and I did start some of this stuff kind of as a side hustle when I currently had a job, but I would have planned a little bit better. I did it really hastily. And I tell people when they're thinking about going off and starting something else to really make sure you have you know, nine months to a year of savings in the bank, all of these like non-sexy but practical important things to do because it drives me crazy when business experts and influencers or whatever will go and say, YOLO, like go do that alpaca farm right now. You (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, hold on. Yes, before you start that artisanal cheese shop in Brooklyn, ask yourself some basic questions. Can you support yourself? That's right. Right. And there is no shame defeating your family. And sometimes it's just not the right timing. And that's okay. How did you get a book deal? Yeah. Like, so you had this idea and you're like, so I fucked everything up. Like I really did uh, all the things. And so I left really hastily and I decided, okay, well, I'm going to fill this void. And the first thing that came to my mind was rich bitch. I'm going to call it rich bitch because people, and I wanted to have my own voice and, you know, I was part of a network before. And so everybody had to approve everything I said or did. And I was like, total burn my bra. People are going to have feelings about this book. (laughs) They're going to love it or they're going to hate a book called rich bitch. Whack that hair off. (laughs) Right? There is no gray area. Grow it out. (laughs) And and so I took a risk. I knew that if I wrote a book called like Five Steps to Financial Freedom, Mm -hmm. it would be dead on arrival. So, I mean, I had traditional agents at the time. I went through all of them. They're like the alphabet soup. And um, and then I had my, I just got a special book agent um, uh, that focused on this project for me. I went through about Gosh, at the time, I went through about four projects um, of failed book deals. And so along the way, I was at CNN. I sold a book that I needed to get out of before I went to CNBC. I sold another book that had whatever drama, like the editor left over the holiday or something like that. Anyway, I thought this was never going to happen for me. But I always thought, okay, I'm going to check the box and have a book. And it, yeah, it took four agents, four proposals, four book deals or whatever, and like, a really long time to figure it out and I'm so glad that those books didn't make it because they would have been bad and you can't no, do your first one. hindsight is 2020, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, looking back, you can't do your first book again and in order to get a second book, which I never thought I would have or anybody would want, you need to do really well. And my one of my books was like Making Bank or something, one of the ones that didn't make <laughs> that it. That was the title, yeah. Making Bank. <laughs> Actually, I'm not not mad at it. (laughs) But it was for men and women. And then I needed to decide, like, okay, I need to know who my audience is. Like, pick an audience. It's women. And 75% of people who buy books are women. And most people who buy business books, men don't buy business books written by women. Wow. Interestingly. I I actually probably would have guessed that. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. And for me, when you were coming up with that title, and I get what you're saying because you had to make it pop, but we've had some colleagues and people that we know, I've seen them go off 
and have issues with yeah. this word bitch. We don't have a problem with it. Yeah. We actually like think of it as a term of endearment. Yeah. We like it. Yeah. We yes, don't have bitch. an issue. But what do you say exactly? What do you say to those people that I'm sure you've gotten this question totally. before? Like that say it is a derogatory term. I wanted more people to say that, actually. I was, like, so excited for that debate. Um, but I've been called a bitch in a derogatory sense in my career. And what people meant was that I was strong, powerful, outspoken, not only wanted a seat at the table but a voice, and that I didn't have debt or whatever. If that means I'm a bitch, then damn, I'm a bitch, and I yes, own it as I'll a badge it. of honor. And so I was taking back the word and owning it, and I needed to know exactly who she was for my audience, and I'm not all things to all people. If you want to be all things to all people, you're nothing to no one. That's what Making Bank or whatever the other books I was supposed to have but didn't were trying to be. All the things to all the people. And instead, I figured out I know who she is. She is Bevan. She is Brittany. She is Nicole. And the rest of the people, and I've had a few, Mika Brzezinski, who was like a mentor of mine. She's on Morning Joe. I went on her show for my first book and she said, she was one of the few that said, you know, I like the concept. You're teaching women about money in a sassy way. The book swears. It's the only finance book that swears. You're welcome. Thank and tells you, you to it. buy a latte. Right? Love it. And she's like, I get it. Like, I like the, the concept of it, but I don't like the title. And I was like, here's the thing, Mika. Like, the ends justify the means. If I can get a woman to pick up a money book who never imagined she picked up a money book because of the title, then we all win we because all win. of this. We do. And I had producers on a couple of shows that I was going to go on for the tour who were like, yeah, we talked internally and, like, you know, we don't like it. We're women. We're producers, whatever. And, like, we just don't like it. So we're going to talk about whatever you want to do in the segment but not use the book title. And I say, you know what? True feminism is not telling you what to think. It's like letting you do you. You don't like it, all good. Like, yes, thank you. You do you, sister. Thank yes. you. And I admire that because you aren't going to get those people that are just going to gravitate towards it. They're going to think it's mean. Yeah. We just don't understand that. Like, we're not on the same wavelength because we all are about lifting everybody up versus bringing everybody down. And that's what you're saying. You're, you're really lifting people up that want to open that cover and say that we can do this all together no matter where you started salary-wise, where you're at, you can do it. Yeah, I'm an ultimate woman's woman. So I'm just like, you know what, um, if you guys aren't into it, like, I'm not going to want you to change your mind. Yeah, it's you okay. have opinions, that's cool. So my question is, can you give me a brief synopsis of each of these books? Just really quickly, what, what sure. you're doing in each of these, and Boss Bitch and Rich Bitch. So Rich Bitch is a 12-step plan to get your financial life together, finally. And it goes through all the basic stuff that we should know as an adult right <laughs> which I which most people don't know that's right look sure. around the room and we're like we should find an adult <laughs> to yeah. deal with this problem Nicole, like, anyone yeah <laughs> ladies Bev? Um, and it goes through budgeting basic like how to put a spending plan together and I look at a financial plan as I would an eating plan so like a regular diet if you allow yourself small indulgences you won't end up binging later on so you allow yourself the equivalent of a Hershey's kiss so you don't end up binging on a big old hunk of chocolate cake in the middle of the night because you're so starved and deprived and then it goes through cars whether you should lease which I think you should never it's a big ass scam that we've become accustomed to doing um not get a car loan and buy used cars cheap run them into the ground dealing with housing and 
um, whether or not to buy, rent, all of those fun things, savings, investing, basic retirement stuff, like breaking it down. Then I rewrite a financial dictionary because I'm a loser and basically should be by candlelight on Friday night. Or an angel. (laughs) An angel. Or a literal angel. (laughs) Because I was like, this stuff is not complicated, but like I needed a definition for the definition when I would look it up. Yeah. No, we do too. It's so many buzzwords, right? Like all these buzzwords, this lingo that just totally immediately excludes people that's who right. can naturally understand mm-hmm. from understanding oh my god it's not even complicated like if you look at a headline of uh, like the wall street journal it says equities fall or whatever and i used to be like what is an equity it's not just a stock it's right. literally the same thing ebitda even right that, that does sound like an std yeah. Yeah. It does, it does. and that's just no, like that's just profits right, right. So just those are profits. Right, right earnings before all interest taxes terms. bullshit depreciation amortization mm-hmm. like right. all of that it's basic it's basic but then for those Wait. go what are you talking oh the other book yeah oh and then yeah. yes i want to have another yes. child yes yeah <laughs> two you have two children yes mm-hmm. and i have a third on the way Boss Bitch is a 12-step plan to get your career together. So to take charge of your career, um, we go through those different stages in our career. And so for me, it was important to help women break down what exactly blocking and tackling means for like asking for more. So we hear this in the zeitgeist all the time. We hear like ask for a raise or whatever, negotiate. I was like, okay, cool. And then what? Like, how do exactly I do that? And so I just, I break down into scripts. Like, I thought, how am I going to, how do I want to digest this information? So I do, like, mock scripts, what you can say, he says, she said, you know, just simple stuff. Or what you say at job interviews, like, to and hard questions. what you questions. should not say, too. Exactly. I saw that as I did well. too, yeah. I love that. Because yeah. it's like, you can't just, you know, you have to set something up. You have to ask totally. value your time. And that's why we think, like, why do you think money is such an off-limits conversation like why is it so bad to talk about it's so funny because like I found that I would talk to my girlfriends about everything we did too dinner yeah. before we talk about money so I oh jobs. before money oh, oh yeah, before. yeah 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 no we're different we feel comfortable with it and I've only started to talk to, about money with some people yeah. because I think it's about learning what you're valued for, how yeah. much other people in the same industry do get paid, how much yeah. they request on certain networks. But it's such a tough topic for so many people. Yeah. And everyone shies away from it. Everyone. Totally. And I think the reason that we need to talk about it, and I did it first. So I just told all my salaries. I said what I made for the book. Cause I was like, if I'm reading this and this bitch is telling me to talk about money, what she make for this book? So right. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not even asking my publisher. I'm just like, Okay, here you go. Here are my advances because you might be curious because I would if I was reading this. Yeah, sure. So I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And so I go first. And so hopefully an uncomfortable conversation becomes less uncomfortable. So yeah, like I'll talk to girlfriends about blowjobs and diarrhea and like bikini waxes and all the things. And then I'll be like, what are you making this year? Or what does your baby daddy make? Or what is in your savings account? And it's crickets. I'm like, girl, you just told me about your hoo-ha. Yeah, like literally is totally fine. No problem. What you ate and what's in the toilet after (laughs) that. Yeah, But you can't tell me about that. And so I was like, this is crazy town. Why is this so taboo? I actually think the only taboos we have left are money, fertility, which I froze my eggs, and we can talk about that too because I think that's a business conversation. Love to talk about that. And uh, mental health issues. Um, I think those are like the last taboo subjects so we have. How do you think we 
navigate this moving forward? How do we change it? I think that we have to go first. Like it's it's getting your side of the street in order. It's a 12-step plan and they teach that in like other 12-step plans too. It's You're only responsible for yourself. So that's why I'm like, I can do my best to say, here are my salaries with hopes that you show me yours. Because I think it's like pricing your house without knowing the comp of the area. If you don't we know- what other people are making or what other people are doing. Like, how are you going to help yourself? How are you going to negotiate for yourself? You need that information. And so I think it's only about helping each other. I'm like, I'm not coming down after you. And if somebody thinks like it has to do with their inner worth, like that's your own shit. Like your own problem. This is just a, this is part of a general career. This is not like your worth. And if you go to that place that like go to a shrink, I can't. I also feel like fundamentally people have this idea that there is a limited amount in the pot. And so if you declare what you're making, right, then someone's going to take away from what you're getting. And I just, we have never believed in that. No. No, because I think the idea is that there's only one spot for a woman on a panel. Instead, we want all the the women to be all the panels. I think that it gets a little scary navigating if in a certain job that for a publicist, for example, how much do most publicists make? In another job, like how much does that person make? And even to ask about that when you're going in and applying for that job, saying this is my starting value, this is what I want to proclaim for myself, that's scary too. I mean, I, it's just like putting yourself out there and I always go high. You know, I'm always Get that person. Girl. Yeah, I'm going to go high. But I was taught that. I oh. was told to go high. I've come from a family of entrepreneurs. Everyone awesome. is working. So for me, it's like go high and then leave that room to negotiate. But where do you decide how to go in the middle? How do you go higher? Do you suggest like actually talking to people for those that don't have what I have? Determining your worth. So you're walking into a new job. How do you determine your worth? Totally. And it's about figuring out what people in that job have made before. So like one girlfriend, um, I remember we were going to an event and she said, Nicole, you would be so proud of me. I asked for a 10% raise for this new job I was getting. And I'm like, Jacqueline, that's awesome. But why are you asking for 10% more of what you made in your last job? You might have just negotiated against yourself. If you were asking for 110,000 and your last job was 100,000, but that job actually was a $150,000 job, like you just negotiated you just against fucked yourself. yourself. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You completely went against what you could totally. potentially be making. Totally. Okay. And so I think there, there are these ideas that, you know, you go in and say, here's what I want for cash here's what I want for perks and here's like a combination. And so I go through like some of the things that you can bring in because it's funny when, when we do projects and presentations for our job in other capacities, like we'll go to town with a deck or whatever. But when it comes to for ourself, it's really hard to do. So like all the math, all the numbers stuff with any money related topics or career related topics, like a fifth grader can do. It's all this humanity stuff. That's actually, it's the psychological so stuff. That's true. Hardest. It's so true. Just talking to the person and actually going in and yeah. asking or making the meeting actually yeah. making the meeting. I remember when you and I were both talking about in our both respective jobs, having to have that conversation of we need to establish what we're getting paid for this, what our roles are here. And it was just awkward and it made everybody feel awkward. And then after that, all good. Mm-hmm. Totally. And you know, it's actually, it's funny because some of my employees use this against me too, because they like talk to each other and then they try to like come up to me and I'm like, I love the idea, ladies. Love that you've taken my medicine. <laughs> right. Taking but initiative. If, as an employee, 
employer myself now. I can say if you're showing me the value you're adding to me, like if you show me that that coffee or whatever meeting you had yielded 10 grand of business, like I'm giving you a coffee card for all day, every day. But you have to show that to me because I'm not like up in your business. Like you need to create for yourself what you would do a presentation for any other part of your job. That's Thank you. Like that Graphs, is a game changer, charts, right? all the Thank things. You. Like use that, but for yourself and mm-hmm. to show your value and like explain it. Don't just say, I deserve this. No, you don't. Like explain show to me. me. Yeah. I think even if you go on a job interview, having that backing as well. I remember as a publicist, yeah. I was like, all right, I want to get this very high end job that I'm not qualified for, but I have X, Y, and Z that shows that I'm maybe qualified for it. And it proved it because nobody else brought, you know, a presentation. No one else kind of sold themselves. They did for the normal interview way, but not actually proving what they've done and putting together things in a book and saying, of course I have all the relationships. I can do this. I also think it's really important to remember too, that as like your employees, like it's not that you don't notice or value the work that they're doing. It's that we have to be responsible for presenting our stuff to you That's right. in order to get what we want and totally. need and deserve. I have my own job. Right. Like, I have my own stuff that I'm focused You're on. You're not out to get yeah. anybody. You're trying to get paid. Totally. Totally. But that leads so, me to this other thing. I'm noticing a lot of times that people, and myself included, before I actually ask for a raise, I have to get to this place of anger and hysterics almost, hmm. which is not a good place right. to walk in and ask for <laughs> what you deserve and what you've earned and what is your advice for someone to take that initiative earlier on as opposed to getting to that place of hysterics having your own composure is like again that's part of the psychological aspect to this because you can like mind fuck yourself into doing the hard things and you can like talk your way out yourself out of it sometimes the biggest enemy is between your ears and so I think you know the idea of asking for more sometimes just comes down to having that like inner discussion with yourself and I know that sounds a little bit touchy-feely but it's it's also realizing that you know there are a lot of other aspects that can contribute to that compensation package and that base salary sometimes isn't the only thing that contributes to that so pay more paid time off working from home for Fridays or whatever Um, if you have a dog or a kid that's helpful Um, getting transportation paid for getting cell phone paid for getting other perks that you know are write-offs for an employer but could be really helpful to you so coming up with those different options of compensation and a perks thing not getting angry I mean most studies have shown that men will apply for jobs when they're 60% ready and women will be a hundred percent ready <laughs> except for Brit who came up with like her own PowerPoint presentation for the publicist She's job. not normal. I think that sometimes we just are our own biggest enemy. Yeah. It gets easier though, right? The more, the more that you advocate for yourself and the more you stand up and you do it, you start, it becomes easier. I don't know if it becomes easier you get to a place where you don't have to say yes to all the things like my next book talks a lot about balance and um, I did a bunch more studies that show women are on the verge of breakdown and burnout like never before and this is because we've been told to lean into all the things and I'm actually like lean the fuck out please same just a little bit the idea 
idea of leaning in so hard that you fall over and you're not good yourself like you are your own business card and so does it get easier yes and no but you get to a place where I'm right now I'm like I'm too old for this shit and I can say no and if it's not a hell yes then it is a no like I'm not doing things that love that high class problems to say no to projects but like I put in the time and put in enough work where I'm in my you know mid-30s now and I've accomplished enough things to be able to have that position of flexibility whereas maybe in my 20s I didn't have the same you you were a yes person more yes person because it's hard to say no and I'm sure it is still even hard to say no for you it's progress not perfection but also if you try to be everything to everyone else you're nothing to yourself and if you don't put your oxygen mask on first before helping others like you're not good you have nothing to give nothing and as you know my own boss now I'm a pretty dope ass boss but if I'm not good like I am my business card and so I'm not going to be helpful to the people that work with me your team will know so I used to think like oh my gosh I'm going to think 50 times before I would cancel you know on why would I ever want to first of all cancel on Brit and Effin but I would not think as much about canceling a workout for myself or something like that canceling on myself was so much more easy because I would do it another time which I wouldn't by the way of course right no I didn't work out today but I was just like fuck it <laughs> my that breakfast meal was much better but amazingly is important yeah and you look at it as a date with yourself and like why are you not as important and so that is a discussion where you put yourself first and then you can ultimately that I think is your secret weapon to becoming more successful in your career no you're right and I should have gotten up earlier and did it no you shouldn't have you know what it's okay and lean out I am I do and I have I'm I am relaxed guys I just (laughs) drink it and she knows I am drinking too I am (laughs) but I have I totally see what you're saying with that and I have given myself whether it's work stuff a little bit more I've been leaning out and allowing myself to really take on some of the things that I needed to do. And I was was getting married last year at one point, and I was really trying to focus in on some of those things that I wouldn't necessarily focus in on. Yeah. So but it's hard. It's equally as important to sleep in one day just a little bit to nurture your body and give yourself a break. Oh, yeah. And I do. You know that I do. As to get up and work out. Yeah. And I have problems saying no, too. I agree to everything because I, I have a lot of balls in the air, and I'm like, I'm not really sure which one's going to fully drop. So I'm saying yes to everything. And then now I'm broken and my skin is going mental and, you know, all those things start to happen, right? So it's like you have to step back and go, I need a minute. Yeah. We just looked at each other. Nicole and I just looked at each other like, huh? Well, I know. Okay. I want my skin to be as broken as like yours, please. Yeah. You can't see my just underlying rosacea that I just discovered you last week. beautiful. Yeah. And just say thank you. I'm thank on this you. other kick that women need to say thank you when they get compliments. No more, exi- like, no more saying, yeah, yeah, but but this is going on. Yeah. It's a thank you. That's she right. does have rosacea, though, right now, but, <laughs> she, <I do>. but <laughs> she looks really beautiful right now. I also Her have a great um, foundation <laughs> that is working. Yeah, and I love that foundation. We do and it's can. beautiful. Thank and you. saying sorry is another kick I'm on. I actually no, opened no. your book and read one page that was like walking being late to a meeting Mm -hmm. and I'm on this kick too stop saying I'm sorry and you what did you say about being late to a meeting say thank you for your patience thank you for your patience yeah let's get started let's get started yeah we all have listen we're all late and stuff happens and you like 
might have a lady problem or traffic or whatever. It's like TMI in a business scenario. It's TMI. You don't need to go into. We don't all have that. to explain it. No. Yeah, you don't owe you anyone an explanation. Probably running late. Like that's it. Women will say, "I'm sorry." Studies have shown more than men. Men will say, "I'm sorry," but only if they did something wrong, and they don't deem these types of things as something they did wrong. Exactly. Responding to emails like. 30 minutes late why are you sorry for the delay that's like a joke or like if somebody bumps into you like why are you sorry I have started to really take stock of that day in and day out and trying to stop it oh I counted how many times I said I'm sorry it was 53 times in in, in one day oh wow yeah and then it's not that I don't say I'm sorry I do when I did something wrong and I've just become more mindful of it. So I think counting it is a good way to just be more mindful of it. It's not about recognition, right? That's right. It's always back to the problem. Yeah. So really quickly, we didn't talk about book three and I want to know what's coming. Ah, So do I. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My book three, which I never thought I would have book two. And now we have a third. We'll see girls. You know what? It's better to beat low expectations in Wall Street and in life. But this one is really an important next book for me. It's Becoming Superwoman. And Superwoman has a space because it's not Superwoman the character. It's being a superwoman. And that's different than being what the action figure tells us to do, to do everything, to be everything. You can have it all. You can't do it all. And there's a huge difference. It's the idea that we can go from burnout to balance. And I got really burnt out, actually, last year after my second book tour. I... Even me, I was talking about being a boss bitch. And what I forgot was one of the F words. I know. Shocking for me. (laughs) Um, But with family, finance, and fun, I forgot fitness. And that's not just physical fitness. It's Mm -hmm. mental fitness. And to prioritize my own mental wellness and my emotional wellness, um, I didn't put that as part of the equation. So this is my chance to say, Hey guys, mea culpa, I forgot that part of this. And that's probably the most important aspect to getting ahead in your career. It's not killing yourself in front of a computer until your eyes bleed and responding to emails in the middle of the night. Like if you go to the psych ward or if you are depressed or if you're whatever, like you're going to affect your career more than responding to all the emails at three o'clock in the morning. So get that part in order. It's first. first. If there's like one best piece of advice that you would give anyone on their finances right now, whether they're starting to save or something that's like just kind of lived within you as you've gone throughout your career? Is there one piece of advice? Well, in the next couple of weeks, I'm launching the money school and then the boss school. So like these online classes that hopefully I felt like there was a void in the online class space. There is. trying to do that. Thank you. And for the holidays, I think it's the time that people get crazy. One in four people go into debt during the holidays. So I think it's really important, first of all, when people are like, I blew my budget for the holidays, you know, I'm like, did you even have a budget? Hold on. That's step number one. (laughs) Make a list. Santa does it. (laughs) I'm not even Christian. Like, make a damn list. If it's good enough for Santa, it's good enough for us. And you you just decide who you want to spend on and how much you want to spend on them and stick to that amount. Creating that plan is the first step to like not feeling so overwhelmed. And especially around the holidays, we feel like we don't have enough time or money. Um, my mission is that you don't lose any of either and take control of both. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes, this has been unbelievable. 
you're honesty. You guys are the it just best. speaks through and Aww. who you are as a person. I told you, you, I was like, she just is that relatable, which is hard to believe. But sitting next Thanks. to you, it's like, I can do this. I can get whip out my budget right now and oh manage my gosh. all my stuff. Girl, if I could do this, anyone could do this. Thank you for giving us the strength. 